0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling From The Crowd. My name is Ray, and this is episode four. Four episodes so far. It's a big accomplishment for me. I just want to take a second to thank everyone who's downloaded the podcast, who shared the podcast. I had people who tweeted me about the podcast. Like I said last week, you can find me on Twitter, at Wrestling From. My podcast is on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. You can find me there. I go over wrestling, nothing but wrestling. I go over Raw, A.W., NXT AW dark NXT UK and SmackDown every week I give my opinions I try not to give you a play-by-play of the match because I don't want to sit here and bore you I just want to tell you about the match some key points want to give my opinions and tell what I think should be done doesn't have to be the correct way but it's just what I feel so we're gonna start this off with raw this week we have seen raw start off with retribution making a promo apparently retribution is signed now retribution can do whatever they want with with no repercussions which means they don't got to come through the crowd they don't got to attack from behind without being there now they could be there all week they could be there all every monday and attack from behind with no repercussions also it looks like they're going to become raw exclusives i don't think that they're going to SmackDown. they showed five people i can tell the five people instantly i seen die mia yim it was dio madden and mercedes martinez a lot of people had trouble figuring out the fifth guy but i'm gonna go off that is shane thorn so unless they prove otherwise then i'm gonna still go with Shane Thorne then we seen MVP interrupt you know last week raw ended with the Hurt Business battling retribution MVP just states like you know you want to attack you want to fight while the Hurt Business is gonna bring you a fight So, as soon as MVP and the Hurt Business rush to the ring, Retribution tucks their tail between their legs and leave. Now, they didn't leave the arena completely. They didn't even leave the ringside. They sat there, and MVP was just like, oh, so now you guys want to run when the real fight has to come. And then Bobby Lashley says, oh, we'll just beat you guys up, and we'll look good doing it. So, we thought that, you know, they were just going to run away. But nope, a whole bunch of other masked men come out of nowhere. Apparently, they're going to stick with Retribution as a whole, as a big group. They're just going to focus on probably those five but there's still going to be like those lurkers around so then a brawl ensues the hurt business try to fend off as much as they can but they cannot do it they're just outnumbered it's like 20 guys to four no one comes out and makes the save i'm like you guys are being constantly attacked there's guys back there who was attacked recently and no one came out to help the hurt business so i thought that was kind of dumb i thought they should have had help but they're the hurt business they don't really want help we also seen jerry the king Lawler. he's on commentary this week uh no Corey graves i uh, it's kind of sad. Because I actually like Corey Gray. He's one of my favorite announcers. Right next to Mauro After the Retribution Hurt Business segment, we go backstage where Rey Mysterio is being interviewed. They're asking him, how does it feel that Dominic is following in your footsteps? Now he's going for the tag team titles. So I guess they figured out what to do with Dominic. They're not going to give him a singles run, but they're giving him a tag team opportunity or uh, opportunity to be number one contender with Huberto Corrillo, who we haven't seen in a long time. And Rey Mysterio just says, you know, it's very, you know, it makes me happy to see that my son is following in my footsteps then we pan to the ring where we see our triple threat number one contenders match for the tag team titles happen it's angel garza and andrade versus rollins and buddy versus Dominic and Huberto Carrillo. Now, last week, I could have sworn we seen Garza and Andrade fighting. So, now that Selena's not with them no more, now they're gonna, like, go for the tag team gold again without her? I thought, also, that we weren't gonna see Rollins and Buddy, but I guess we're seeing them. So, the street profits are on commentary. Since they are the tag team champions, I guess they're doing a little bit of scouting. Uh, the rules are the three men start at the same time. I thought it was gonna be two guys, and then they got a tag. That would have been dumb. But we see some good offense in this match. We also seen some good, good tag team moves moves by Dominic and Carrillo. They did like a cross-body suicide dive at the same time. I thought that was pretty unique. Then we had a little like 60 second like vision of seeing Buddy Murphy versus Andrade. And let me tell you, for those 60 seconds, I was like, I need to see these guys go one-on-one. I think it'll be fantastic if they went one-on-one. We also seen Seth Rollins leave Buddy Murphy. He said he had more important things to go to, which led to the finish of the match, which was Andrade hitting a spinning back elbow on Buddy Murphy and then he got his wings clipped by Angel Garza. So now Angel Garza and Andrade pick up the win. They're going to Clash of Champions to fight the Street Profits once again and they're doing it without Selena. Do I think they're going to take the uh, titles off of Street Profits? I'm not sure. I don't know what direction they're trying to go in. Are they going to give it to them that they don't have Selena? Are they okay? Maybe they'll have cracks at Clash of Champions in order for Street Profits to keep it. So it's very interesting to see where that goes. Dominic didn't get the win so I don't know what they're going to do with Dominic. Are they going to make him feud with Buddy? Is the Rollins feud over? They're not really giving any indication. After that, Retribution says the Hurt Business could have been a solution, but they became the problem. Dominic Dajakovic says that they are about money. They want money. They only do this for the money, and they'll pay them in greed on a match tonight. So I guess we'll see Retribution in a match tonight against the Hurt Business. As if they accept it. After that, we had another segment, The KO Show, with special guest Shane McMahon we know that Shane McMahon allowed Kevin Owens to be on Raw Underground to fight Aleister Black because that's you know Shane McMahon's stepchild or his whatever project they call it something I just don't know exactly what they call it we hear Kevin Owens talk about Alistair Black for a second he calls Aleister Black the hot topic captain that goes off his joke last week that the 40% off coupon didn't work uh he also established why Shane is on the show he says Shane is trying to promote Raw Underground you know Today we're supposed to have Braun Strowman versus Dabakato in Raw Underground. So he says he's out to promote that. So Shane goes on, he promotes that. He talks about Babickato, but then he brings out Babickato. Kevin Owens then says, you know, I expected you to do that that much. And he then says to Babickato that he owes him because on Raw Underground he attacked Kevin Owens. So then Kevin Owens proceeds to smack him, and then Babickato just loses it. But he wasn't able to attack Kevin. Because Shane held him back. And Kevin Owens said, You know what? I knew you were going to do that. So I have something up my sleeve. And then he calls out Braun Strowman. And then Braun Strowman and they have a stare off. Shane's like, No, you can't fight. Save this for Raw Underground. And then out of nowhere, you see Kevin fall. I'm like, How did he fall? And Aleister Black attacks him from behind. He slams his crotch into the ring post like three times and then walks off. So with Dabakato being smacked by Kevin Owens, you think we could see a Dabakato Kevin Owens match in the future? I don't know. I don't know. Hollows two would work today that Dalbicato the big powerful guy he's probably super sloppy I don't think he could hang in there with Kevin Owens I don't look forward to saying that but if it happens it happens after that we had a backstage segment with Drew McIntyre he says that he's gonna beat the hell out of Keith Lee you know because last week they had like 10 brawls in a row he also says they're gonna be friends again but they're not gonna be friends tonight because he's gonna beat the hell out of him and then they can have drinks and they'll be on McIntyre so Drew's assuring us that he's gonna beat Keith Lee tonight do you think that we'll see Drew McIntyre finally pick up a pin on Keith Lee do you think Keith Lee will be pinned tonight I don't think Keith Lee will be pinned I still think they're trying to protect him, which is why his matches have ended in like DQ or someone else doing something so it's pretty interesting to see if they finally get Keith Lee pinned tonight then we see backstage retribution is attacking Humberto Carrillo and Titus O'Neil so retribution is still running mayhem on the Raw roster and then none of those guys came out to help so you see what I mean, retribution is doing what they want, but no one seems to be helping the hurt business. The hurt business is helping them. So after that attack is over, the announcers announced that retribution will be taking on the hurt business tonight. And I think it's gonna be on a three on three. I don't think it's gonna be a four on four. I don't think MVP is fighting right now. Um, but after that, we've seen Keith Lee versus Drew McIntyre. Now, the same stipulations as last week apply. If uh Keith Lee wins, he'll end up going to Clash of Champions instead of Orton. Like I said, I think Orton is still gonna to make an appearance. I don't think Orton is just going to give that match away. But we've seen Drew hold Keith Lee's head for like two minutes in the beginning of the match. Like he held him there in a headlock for two minutes. Lee then tackles him, throws him out the ring, which leads to an outside fight where Drew ends up slamming Keith Lee onto a table. So we've seen Keith Lee hit Drew McIntyre with an elbow or a forearm, and he has like a momentary hesitation. You know, I know that's his friend. He doesn't want to hurt him, but that cost him. So as soon as he go for the pick... And he kicks out because he felt bad for hitting drew mcintyre in the jaw and then drew tried to hit the claymore but keith lee countered it he lifted him with one hand like that's a big guy i know keith lee is strong but that just shows that he's super strong throughout the match both superstars got near falls we also heard keith lee screaming at drew he said this is my chance drew this is my chance so i know keith lee really wants this title i know that he knows he deserves it but it's just too early so then we see drew get up he countered Keith Lee's attack and hits him with a claymore and he doesn't get the pin because Randy Orton hits him from behind with the steel chair. See I told you we're not going to not see Orton at a world championship match especially on his 14th and then he shoves the chair in Drew McIntyre's face. He's still injuring that already injured jaw and then he punt kicks Keith Lee. So he gives Keith Lee one of those kicks so now he can add him onto the picture. He could put him on the Hall of Kicks just like Mark Henry's Hall of Pain the Hall of Kicks. Also after that, he cuts a promo. He's just basically saying, shame on all of you for thinking that he wasn't going to make it. Just shame. This is a this is a 13-time world champion. You think he's not going to show up to win his 14th title? He also goes on to deliver a solid promo, just saying, like, he's dangerous. This ambulance represents me and all the people that I've sent in one of these. I even felt like what it feels like to go in that. And he will be the 14-time world champion at Clash of Champions. And that, that was a pretty solid promo by Randy Orton. But we sh- we expect that it's Randy Orton. Now, will he win the title? Will they take it off Drew? I don't know. Randy Orton is hot right now, so I don't really know what they're gonna go for. Cause it might be Orton. They might give it to him. You know, he's hot. They might just say, you know what, let's get this guy 14. But Drew won it. Drew needs to hold it for a while. He's held it for a couple months now. He's had it since WrestleMania. I think he could hold on to it for a little bit much longer. Also, there was a backstage segment with Oscar. Asuka. Oscar's asked, you know, what do you think of Zelina Vega and Mickey James? You think? Anyone's ready for Oscar? Then Billy K interrupts Oscar's interview, and Billy says, "You know, Oscar's out here offering free title shots. Maybe I should get one." And then out comes Peyton Royce. She says, "You know what, Billy? You're right. They should get a free title shot, and it should go to me." So they just clearly put Billy K in the background, and because they had a stare off between Peyton and Oscar, so it's like Billy didn't even have a part in the segment, even though we know she did. They just took her completely out to put the focus on Peyton Royce. After this segment, they announced that. Asuka will face Peyton Royce tonight then we head off to Zelina Vega versus Mickey James the winner faces Asuka at Clash of Champions we seen last week Mickey James had a phenomenal match with Asuka I don't think it's gonna be so phenomenal this time I didn't find it so phenomenal it was okay it was just a, a showcase for Zelina it lets Zelina use some of her moves showcase what she can do she was very aggressive to start off she even did like a crucifix submission into the ropes it looks like she was hanging off Mickey James's neck that's how tiny she is but you know for that it's like Alexa Bliss Alexa Bliss was tiny but Alexa Bliss has won many women's championships at her size just because she's really good in the ring so we see Zelina pick up the win with the cross jacket lung blower we're gonna see Zelina versus Asuka at clash of champions now the real question is do we see Asuka losing to Zelina Vega I don't think we see Asuka lose to Zelina Vega I don't know who's ready for Asuka I think we should just give it to Mickey James at some point there's really nobody else who's ready for for Asuka, besides Mickey James. After that, we see Retribution and the Hurt Business fighting again, but this time it's not with the main guys, it's the little stooges, and they all get beat up by the Hurt Business. It's like 15 guys, and then Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Lashley and Cedric Alexander, they're beating them all up. MVP goes to Cedric, he's like, you know, you ready? You want to get out of here? He says, Lashley, Shelton, you got it? They say, yep, and they head to the ring for the next match, which was Paulo Cruz versus Cedric Alexander. Now, before the match could even start, MVP speaks. He warns Retribution that, you know, they're not the executioners, the hurt businesses. And then Cedric gets a chance to speak. He says that this match is not for Apollo to get even with Cedric. It's for Cedric to get even with Apollo because he's put his body so much on the line for him to get title opportunities. So this is Cedric Alexander's redemption match for Apollo. And I like where they're going with Cedric, as I said last week. They're going in a steady flow with him. And I think his buildup is going to be great. He even mentions Apollo's kids. He says he doesn't doesn't care about Apollo's kids at all, which then Apollo Cruz comes out. He says, you think that we're going to keep asking you why you joined the Hurt Business? No, we just want to punch you in the mouth. So then the match starts. The match is pretty fast paced. Cedric Alexander hits the Michinoku driver early, but it doesn't end the match. Then Cedric takes it to the outside where he gets distracted by Ricochet where Ricochet is like hit me, hit me, hit me, which distracts Cedric. So Cedric goes in a ring and gets rolled up by Apollo Cruz. So we see Cedric take his first loss with the Hurt Business. I don't know how much that affects him. I don't think that affects him at all, but I don't want to see him lose that much with the Hurt Business. Then we seen Apollo and Ricochet leave, but the Hurt Business come out and attack them. So Ricochet and Apollo still got beat up. Cedric Alexander technically still won just the fact that he beat them up and was able to cause some pain on them. After that, we seen Raw Fight Club. We seen Dolph Ziggler versus Arturo Ruaz. This is probably one of the better um, Raw Undergrounds that I've seen in a long time. I think that this little showcase of Dolph Ziggler and Rua was a really good showcase. It was a really good little segment. And I thought that they had a good play on what Underground should look like. And they should go off that for the rest of the time being. But we've seen Ziggler pick up the win via sleeper hold on Ruaz. This is where Ziggler's been. Ziggler's been in Raw Underground for so long already. He's probably had a fight on every Raw Underground so far. After that, Rollins comes out. And even the announcer's are like, what are Rollins doing out here? I'm like, what is Rollins? doing out there he's like i have a mysterio family secret and so i see a yellow folder in his hand and i'm like what is that please don't let it be anything dumb so he points to the screen he says look at this picture of mysterio's family what looks off and i'm like What looks off? And then I'm like, oh, please don't go in the direction of of him saying that this is not his kids. We already seen it. Eddie Guerrero did it. We've seen the custody ladder match. We've seen bedtime stories with Uncle Eddie. We don't need this again. Rollins then goes on to say he was inspired by an unlikely source, which apparently was WWE, who posted a series of pictures which apparently made the light bulb in Rollins' head go on. So he's saying that WWE.com made him realize that maybe that... Dominic isn't his kid. Then Rollins proceeds to call it the Mysterio family because he said they deserve to hear the truth. Mysterio comes down, he says, Seth, this must be very important. You know, we're sick and tired of your games. We're about to just beat you like we did Murphy. Rollins says, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was inspired by you guys. You guys are such a family. You guys go through everything together. No matter what, you guys stay as one. I'm truly inspired by you. He also says, This is why that I'm going to tell you the truth. That's why in this yellow envelope I have the DNA results Rollins says yeah he know this has been done before but times have changed he says Mysterio are you really Dominic's father Mysterio's like I had enough this is this is done like why are we doing this Rollins says "Mm, well here's the results you're not the father Mysterio says you really brought us out here for that you want to go down that road again we've been down that road it's not gonna work it didn't work then it's not gonna work now Rollins then answers and said well when I think about it, I did tell my guy to look into the Mysterio family. So maybe it's not Dominic who's not your son. Maybe it's Aaliyah who's not your daughter. Then he asks her, what happened, Aaliyah? You know, you checked on my disciple buddy instead of going in to check on the Mysterio. How can you be a part of that family but you didn't check on the Mysterio? Ray Mysterio then says, don't talk to my daughter. She's a 19-year-old. She's naive. She knows nothing about our world, which I guess pissed her off and she walked to the back. And then the whole family just started going to the back Dominic had like a little stare down with him and then he left Rollins is in the ring laughing he just says he just wants to bring the truth to everyone so they're they're trying to go back I don't know if they were just trying to be funny and have a little play on you know that old rivalry between him and Eddie I wonder if that's their goal or that was their goal of tonight I hope they don't move forward with this at all I really really don't want to see this again I think for this time it's not that good back then it was great we actually Believed Eddie. I truly believed Eddie. I thought that was his kid, but I don't think that it will go well in 2020. Not because of the age we're in, but We've seen it already. It's been done. So we know Dominic's his real kid. After that, we see Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Lana and Natalia. Riot Squad was on commentary because they have a match at Class of Champions with Baszler and Jax. It was a squash match. It was over before we knew it. Lana got tapped out to a sleeper by Shayna Baszler. After the match, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler went outside the ring. They attacked the Riot Squad. Liv Morgan was going to be put through a table, but Ruby Riot stopped it. And now, for the second week in a row, we see Lana go through an announce table because no one else was there to beat up so they beat up Lana once again after that there was a segment with Drew McIntyre in the doctor's office he says he's not really doing so well but there still has to be a match at class of champions so he'll be there but first he's gonna go pick a fight so I wonder is he gonna look for Orton what's he gonna pick a fight with or who he's gonna pick a fight with Raw returns they also show that Aaliyah still mad they show her talking to her family she's saying you know I know I'm young but I know what I'm doing I only came here for Dominic so I guess they're gonna play off that for a while I hope they don't continue this but I feel like they are after that Raw Fight Club continues we've seen Riddick Moss versus Eric we've seen Riddick Moss just like Ziggler a thousand times around the ground he looked really jacked though he beat Eric by knocking him out I didn't expect that at all I didn't think Eric was gonna get knocked out by one punch but he did after that they cut to a video package of Mandy Rose they're saying she's coming soon don't know when she's coming but it's gonna be Mandy Night Raw that's what they used That's not what I'm using. The next match was Asuka versus Peyton Royce. Billy came out with Peyton. Why? They broke them up. Why are they still together? They should not be together. They broke them up. It's not a team anymore. There's no longer the Iconics. She came out with her for what? Are they gonna do a Sasha Bailey thing like they're gonna beat each other up? One's gonna turn more vicious than the other? I don't wanna see it. We've seen Peyton Royce. She looked a little good. I don't think this match allowed her to showcase all of her skills because it was ruined by Zelina Vega who attacked Asuka from behind to end this match. In a DQ. So, Zelina Vega, she's fired up. She wants this championship. Like I said, I don't think she's going to beat Asuka, but she's going to make it a good storyline. Also, in the back, we see Buddy comforting Aaliyah, Rey Mysterio's daughter, backstage. And he says, This is getting way out of hand. Seth is taking this too far. And if he's done anything, he's sorry. So, are we seeing Buddy Murphy now turn away from Rollins? Do you think now he realizes that being his disciple, getting beat up on, is what's good for him? I think he's now finally realizing that now he can do it on his own. He doesn't need Seth Rollins. So it's good to see where his character is going. I just hope it's not in the storyline that they're going for tonight. After that, Raw Fight Club continues. The most anticipated match. The match that people waited for. Dalbicato versus Braun Strowman. Terrible. I did not like it at all. Dalbicato got knocked out by Braun Strowman within 90 seconds. You're telling me you showcased this big man. You made him look dominant. You made him undefeated. But you let him get knocked out in 90 seconds by Braun Strowman. This was terrible. This was the, the way it shouldn't have went. They should have not made this match. I think it was overhyped. Braun didn't even land a KO punch he threw. D'Albocato just sold it. So I wasted a whole week anticipating this Daba Braun Strowman match and it was a complete utter failure. After that, we've seen the main event, Retribution versus The Hurt Business. Now let me say something before I talk about this match. These guys, Retribution, has new names and I think it's the the dumbest thing. They should have just stuck with Dio Madden and Dominic Dijakovic or Shane Thorne if it is Shane Thorne. They're calling these guys Slapjack, T-Bar, and Mace. Mace being Dio Madden, Slapjack being Shane Thorne, and T-Bar being Dominic Dijakovic. I think that is the dumbest thing. I think that is terrible. I think that doesn't make them look serious at all. That just makes them joke characters. That was like calling the Viking Raiders the Viking experience instead of calling them the War Raiders. That think that just makes them look soft. It does doesn't give them that wow factor that they had they killed them already and then they had these stupid masks like Dijakovic looks like Bane and Mia Yin kept fixing her mask the whole time when they were talking during the promo in the beginning of the show I don't think that they're going in the right direction I think that they should have just left them as they were but now they're just gonna ruin them and I really feel bad for retribution but we already know how those guys are they put on a good match they were able to showcase some of it we've seen some of Dio's we've seen Dijak we've seen uh, Shane Thorne it was a Really good match. It ended in DQ. I don't know how it ended in DQ, but apparently, Dijak hit him when he wasn't supposed to, so the ref called this qualification. And then we've seen all the Retribution goons come out of the woodworks and attack the Hurt Business. After they're getting attacked, we hear Drew McIntyre's music. He comes out with reinforcements. He's not alone. Where were these guys in the beginning? Why are they coming out now? Is Drew supposed to be the locker room leader just because he's the champion? I think the Hurt Business shouldn't take that. They should be like, why are you guys coming out now? now, where were you before? Now, while there's chaos, they panted Drew McIntyre who's was in the ring. He just finished taking out a bunch of members of Retribution. Then, Randy Orton sneaks attacks him and hits him with an RKO. And then, Raw goes off the air. So, while they're all fighting, Randy Orton sneaks attack Drew McIntyre. They're really building up this match with all these sneak attacks and all these fights that they're having. So, that concludes Raw. I think Raw this week, it, its first hour was really solid. And then, towards the end, its last hour, it got terrible. I just didn't like the Hype up of the Kato and Braun Strowman match that went to crap in 90 seconds. I don't like what they're doing retribution. I don't like the names or the little outfits they have on. I don't like the fact that Mysterio and Rollins is playing off this feud that they had years ago with Eddie Guerrero and Dominic's not his kid, or now Aliyah's not his kid. I don't want to see that anymore. The only good thing that really came out of this was seeing Cedric Alexander. It was also seeing uh, Bianca Belair. She had a video package. So we're going to see her soon. I also forgot to mention, I skipped the one thing. It was a 24-7 championship segment where Akira Tozawa was in the beach and he's like, you know, we're going to sneak attack him from the water. Then we see our truth coming with little Jimmy in the belt. He goes in the water. He loses the belt. He sees a shark and he yells shark. And then he sees his belt wash up with Tozawa's clothes. That was legit the segment. That's why I did not like Raw that much for the final hour. They just shoved a lot of things in there that I just wasn't a fan of. The only thing that's good that's coming out of it, like I said, is Bianca Belair. I want to see where Peyton Royce's career goes, and I want to see what happens to Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. Do they become friends again? Are they still going to have a rivalry? Is Keith Lee ever going to get pinned? I guess we'll just have to wait to see. Now we are done with Raw. Now we are moving on to NXT, and this week's NXT started off with the Women's Battle Royal. Now Before they even panned to the Women's Battle Royale, they went backstage where Tegan Nox was being Attacked By Candice LeRae Candice LeRae even threw like a storage unit into her leg It was reported that she's dealing with a real injury Tegan rocks, so I don't really know if that's real It's just a rumor if she is we won't see a Candice LeRae versus Tegan match anytime soon But they pan back to the ring We see Rhea Ripley get the first elimination and after that her and Raquel Gonzalez get the first six Eliminations now Raquel Gonzalez is impressive. I feel like her and Ripley is gonna clash soon I don't think it's gonna be now, but I feel like this battle battle royale built up to that clash so i'm excited to see where that goes it's gonna be like mercedes martinez you know they were really big characters in nxt they fought in that battle of the badasses now mercedes martinez is gone she's with retribution so now i guess they're gonna give rhea something else in the form of raquel gonzalez after that we seen casey do a tribute to both kofi and john morrison she got eliminated but wasn't really eliminated she landed on her back and then did a handstand into the ring after that she got hit again and then landed on the barricade, did a tight wall on the barricade, and then got back in the ring. Well, I think she got back on the steps, not necessarily the ring. Then she got kicked off the steps back onto the barricade. So she was pretty much trapped up there until her partner, uh, Caden Carter, was eliminated, who allowed Casey to stand on top of her shoulders to get back in the ring. I'm surprised that even happened because Carter got eliminated because she was trying to help Casey get back in the ring. So I didn't think she was going to help her at all, but she did. After that was the final four. Casey, Shotzi, Dakota, Kai and Candice LeRae. Kai got eliminated after she eliminated Casey Catanzaro by Shotzi Blackheart. The final two were Blackheart versus LeRae. Now, I I pray that it went the way that I wanted, but it didn't. We ended up seeing Candice LeRae eliminate Shotzi Blackheart from the steps and pick up the win. Now, I don't know why they didn't go with Shotzi. They probably gave it to Candice because now Candice has nothing to do at TakeOver. And now, they want the premonition of the Gargano way of both of them to win the title so I don't know what direction now they're gonna go on with Shotzi I I seen that they were gonna go Shotzi versus Dakota Kai which I don't really want to see I don't really care she Shotzi put on that takeover main event match with Io Shirai on NXT last week and I thought that was something that they should continue I thought it was something they should play off of but they didn't I don't know what's next for Shotzi I don't think Candice Array is gonna win I hope not because Io Shirai is a really good champion so if Tegan Knox is really injured then and I guess this is the reason why we see Kano Array won. They pan to a backstage segment with Damian Priest. He says that Gargano will never hold the championship as long as he's the champion. The title will always live in infamy. Then he was asked about Austin Theory who he faces tonight. He says the kid, his record just doesn't match his skill and that I can agree. I, I feel like his record doesn't match his skill. I feel like he's a really good wrestler. Like I said, I think a couple episodes ago, he was the evolved world champion. So he does have potential and people do see potential in him, but he's just not getting that potential in NXT. He's still not a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer at all, but he has a lot of talent. and His record certainly doesn't show for that. Also, another backstage segment was tag teams. They were sitting in the back arguing. It was Fabian Eichner, not Marcel Bartel. He wasn't there tonight. Raul Mendoza, Roderick Strong, and Danny Burch, I believe. Those were the four men arguing. With Fandango, who was dressed up in like a Sherlock Holmes outfit, trying to figure out what kind of match they should have to see who fights them for the tag team titles. Then William Regal comes out and he's like, you know, cut the British accent. Like, what are we doing here? and Fandango offers the match of let's have a mixed tag let's have two separate teams team up together the winner of that match will go on to fight each other and the winner of that match will go on to fight us for the tag team championships and William Regal felt that was a good idea so he let that go I I still don't like that Brizongo are champions and they're still joke characters I don't like the joke characters I thought Imperium should have took them back and even if they didn't take them back because of NXT UK coming back they should have gave them to somebody else if you really want to put like some like glory on that title. I would have gave it to Legado de Fantasma or the UE again. So next we have Champa versus Atlas. We've seen Champa attack Atlas last week in the parking lot. So this rivalry is a little bit a little bit fresh. So we see Atlas. He brings the fight to Champa. He immediately dogs him. Immediately jumps on him and sacks him. And then Champa takes control. Champa Champa ends up hitting the Willows Bell and he breaks up his own pin. He tells him he's like you want to be you want to be a main eventer you. Hunt Hungry? show me and then hits the fairy tale ending for the win now this match was a little bit short but a little bit long at the same time just because of the story champa could have ended it a long time ago but he was just so bent on taunting atlas yelling at him saying you know he's the main eventer he's the champ champa is a main eventer he is a champ atlas isn't yet I'm not saying atlas won't ever hold a championship in the company at all but champa is the main eventer he is nxt as is johnny gargano which is why he's known as mr takeover so i don't know if this feud is going to continue it might just because he's adding insult to injury by breaking up his own pin to end it at his accord so i don't know if they're going to continue it they might but it's interesting to see where this rivalry heads off after that we've seen a ridge holland video package ridge holland is no longer in nxt uk apparently now he's on nxt so no more uk for ridge holland after that we've seen roger strong and danny birch versus fabian eichner and raul mendoza now this was an interesting match It actually was better than I thought Danny Burch and Roddy worked really well together while Mendoza and Eichner were just smacking each other for the hardest tags But Burch and Strong pick up the win. They actually actually won it together. You know, there was no miscommunications There was no bad tags. There was nothing. They actually worked really good together, which is kind of scary So now we're gonna see the UE and Oni Lorkin and Danny Burch fight for the number one contender match Uh, I think that we should finally give a chance to Oni and Danny they put on some really good matches. We've seen a lot of their matches before. So I feel like they should have their opportunity to go against Brizango, maybe take them off and have those titles at least a little more serious than they are now. Another Bad Steak segment with Austin Theory, he's talking, you know, they telling him that what Damian Priest said and then Johnny Gargano interrupts and gives him some words of wisdom. And then also tells him, if you soften Damian Priest up, don't worry, I won't ever forget it. So are we gonna see like an alliance between Gargano and... Theory. Apparently, their uh theory is really close to the family, so I wonder if they're gonna play off that. So the next match was Austin Theory versus Damian Priest. It was a really fast-paced match. Now, Theory Theory was very vocal during the match, like he has like a very show-offy, charismatic character where he's like constantly talking to himself during the match. But Priest, you know, he gets more better and better every time I see him. He's so athletic and powerful. But Priest Priest, uh, you know, brought out the best in Austin Theory. Austin Theory was able to fight and show a little more than he's usually able to show. He even picked up Priest for a Blue Thunder powerbomb, and that's no easy thing to do. That's a big man. But we see Priest hit the razor's edge on the apron, then rolls him back in the ring to hit the Reckoning, which ends the match. After the match, while Damien is celebrating, Johnny Gargano comes out and gives him a super kick. So did he soften him up? Did Austin Theory do what Johnny asked for him? Is Priest softened up for TakeOver 30? After that was a swerve. Scott video package. It was a buildup for his feud between Santos Escobar which I don't think they're doing a lot of so it's a, like a first buildup for me because they had their match I think it was the six man tag with Brizango and Scott versus Legado de Fantasma but that was it. That was pretty much the only buildup for me so I guess now they're trying to like really push this feud, this rivalry into a better direction. Then we seen Ridge Holland versus DeLuca. It was a squash match this was just to showcase the strength of Ridge Holland and he's a very very strong man we also seen that you know he can sometimes be a little clumsy in the ring of when he fought Johnny Gargano he dropped him right on his neck which was a scary moment for a lot of people but other than that he's he's your typical strong WWE guy you know he has his little flashy moments but he's just a typical strong NXT big guy uh another backstage segment with Io and Candice Io says she never liked Candice and she never will then Io spoke Japanese she kept speaking Japanese through the, the the segment then Johnny comes out nowhere and he's like i don't like the way you're speaking it doesn't sound like you're saying anything nice so he ends up like pressing up on her with Candice LeRae. Then we see Damien Priest come through the door like, oh, here you are, and then him and Johnny Gargano brawl. And then they break it up. So they announce next week we're going to see a mixed tag match between Damien Priest and and with Io Shirai against Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano. So I guess these are two build-up matches to TakeOver 30. I don't mind seeing them. I really want to see what Io and Priest could do as a team. So it's going to be an interesting match. After that, we had our main event, the new match the elimination gauntlet we seen Kushida and Kyle O'Reilly start it was a really really technical start from both of them both men were exchanging holds and submissions now I've said it before Kyle O'Reilly is an incredible singles competitor and I'm glad that they're now branching him off from the tag team and giving him a little singles run so that way they can showcase on what people don't know about Kyle O'Reilly after that the third entrant came out it was Bronson Reed he came in he changed the match with his power Bronson Reed's a powerful man and I think they're doing everything right with him. They just have to keep going in the right direction. They cannot go off course with Bronson Reed. If not, they're going to mess up that character. We've seen the Velveteen Dream come out and attack Kushida, which cost him the match because Bronson Reed hit a tsunami off the top rope from the distraction of Velveteen Dream. So Velveteen Dream cost Kushida again another title opportunity. I feel like we're going to see these two fight at TakeOver 31. I think it's going to be a really good match if they fight. We all know Velveteen Dream could put on at TakeOver, so that would be an interesting feat to to see uh the fourth entrant was timothy thatcher after that they cut to like commercial and then when they cut to commercial it comes back to the fifth entrance so we didn't even see any offense from timothy thatcher i'm wondering if they was running out of time or something had happened or didn't go as planned but there was no offense from timothy thatcher when he came out it just cut straight to commercial but the fifth and final entrant was cameron grimes we've seen cameron grimes before we know cameron grimes is a really good competitor we've seen his matches they're phenomenal I think Cameron Grimes could be big in the company one day sort of like a Bo Dallas you know when Bo Dallas got to NXT he was super underrated and then he was the champion I think he was like I don't know how long he was champion he was champion for a really long time you know all men they exchange great moves in the middle of the ring which ends all of them on the ground we've seen a spot where Bronson Reed slingshots Cameron from the outside of the ring onto O'Reilly and Thatcher I thought that was pretty cool there was also another spot where Bronson Reed hits a suicide dive on all three men Bronson Reed is moving like could cruise away in this match and i'm really liking the direction i'm really liking his character i think i'm glad they moved away from the thick boy and just went to colossal give him a little more seriousness than thick boy yo bronson goes for a tsunami when he rolls thatcher back in the ring but misses then o'reilly hits a flying knee from the top rope and eliminates bronson reed we see kyle o'reilly eliminate bronson that's pretty interesting i didn't think he was gonna get eliminated by kyle o'reilly at all uh after that we seen a spot where o'reilly was in a sleep who then catches Cameron Grimes in an ankle lock at the same time so it was dual submissions going on I thought that was a really good spot after that O'Reilly rolls up Thatcher to get the elimination then when he gets up Cameron hits the cave-in on him and goes for the pin but Kyle gets his foot on the rope I thought it was over I thought Cameron had won. you know Cameron yells at O'Reilly you're nothing like Adam he was the man of the group I would have found that disrespectful so that pissed off O'Reilly O'Reilly puts in he puts him in a knee bar who immediately taps because apparently he tweaked his need trying to do a second cave in. So O'Reilly is our winner. O'Reilly is going to take over to fight Finn Balor for the NXT championship. We've seen the UE come out and celebrate with him. Now I thought I thought they were gonna turn on him. I thought it was gonna be like an evolution moment where Adam Cole is jealous and it's just gonna hurt him. But no, they gave each other a hug. Then Finn Balor came out, you know, pointed his little finger guns at him and had a stare off. So now we're gonna see a really good match between Balor and O'Reilly. I wouldn't want to see any other match. I mean, I could see Shida and Balor, but I think Kyle O'Reilly will give you a match that you never thought that he could put on. And that's exactly the same way I felt when I seen him fight Adam Cole at ROH. I thought his match was fantastic. I think he's a really talented singles wrestler. And this match with Balor, I'm sure people are going to feel the same after they watch this. So it's going to be a really interesting takeover. NXT tonight was really good. The only disappointment I had was that Shotzi Blackheart did not win the Battle Royale. I really thought she should have won. I love that Kyle O'Reilly is going on to take over 30. I like the direction they're going in with Bronson Reed. I, I think NXT was really solid tonight. It was probably one of the better NXT's of the past weeks. So they're really stepping up their game and I like that. Next, We move on to NXT UK, which starts off with Assistant GM Skyla talking to the competitors of the Heritage Cup. So we learned that the competitors last week was uh, Joseph Connors, Dave Mastiff, Trent Seven, Flash Morgan, A-Kid, Alexander Wolf, and Noam Dar. With the wild card, who will be determined in a triple threat match, we learned tonight. So next week on NXT UK, they'll have a triple threat match. They didn't say who the competitors were, but we know whoever wins that match will be the wild card entrance. Uh, We've seen... Walter versus Saxton Huxley first. It was a fast paced match. Huxley came out swinging. He did say last week he was gonna bring the tsunami to Walter, but Walter, just a vicious man. His chops are probably the most vicious chops in the business. They sound like thunder hitting a chest and it's ridiculous. You've seen Walter's hand on Huxley. Huxley hit a body slam on Walter. I was surprised. It it wasn't like a Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant thing. We all know Huxley's strong, but it was surprising that he was able to body slam him. Then we seen Walter hit a powerbomb to Huxley on the apron. Huxley almost gets counted out, but rolls back in, and Walter did not like that. Walter then lands another vicious chop to the back and then hits his powerbomb finisher for the win. Again, what I say about big men and their finishers, I think big men should be creative with their finishers. There's no reason why Walter has a powerbomb as his finisher. I don't like that big men have such simple moves. They need to have something flashy, something to separate them from other big men. And a powerbomb is not setting Walter from other big men. I also thought we were going to see Dragunov come out and like make an attempt to have a stare down on Walter, but that didn't happen. I don't know if he's here tonight at all. Then they move on with announcing the matches for the Heritage Cup. So the first match would be Joseph Connors versus Dave Mastiff. Then it will be Wildcard versus Trent Seven. So whoever wins that triple threat match next week. Number three will be Flash Morgan Webster versus A-Kid. Now that is the match to look forward to. These two guys are, are phenomenal and I think they're going to put on a really good match. So keep your eye out for that match. I'm telling you, that's going to be the best match of the tournament. After that, we're going to see Alexander Wolf versus Noam Dar. And Noam Dar tries to attack Wolf after he finds out that he's fighting him. But then Pete Dunne stops it and breaks his fingers or does his little gimmick of his fingers you can hear the snap still don't know how he does that but he does so i thought pete dunn was going to be a part of this tournament he's not they just had him out there just to be like hey you know i've held this championship i held this company now it's your turn that's pretty much what pete dunn was out there for so i'm very interested to see where this tournament goes like i said look out for flash morgan webster versus a kid i don't know who the three competitors are so i can't give you if Trent's gonna have a really good match with whoever it is I can't even think of like three guys maybe besides uh Tyler Bate I I don't know see that's I can't really give you or Joe Coffey may come back so it might be Tyler Bate Joe Coffey and somebody else the next match was The Hunt versus Pretty Deadly now I've never seen these two teams so I can't really give you much the only person I've really seen was Primate and that's because he was on What Culture Pro Wrestling a lot so that's why I know Primate but while Boring Pretty Deadly I wasn't really uh like on who they were or what their styles were. So th- this is new to me. So if it's new to me, it's definitely gonna be new to you. But throughout the match, Wildborn Primate, they just kept screaming to each other and it sounded like they weren't even speaking English. I'm like, do they understand what they're saying to each other? Because I don't and I don't think anyone else, if you watched UK, understood what they were saying either. But we've seen Wild Boar get distracted and then he gets rolled up. I don't know which one he got rolled up by. I just know he got rolled up. One was a blonde and one was a brunette. I don't remember their names I at all they weren't really memorable to me they they go as like gorgeous and stuff like that but i don't i don't think that's gonna go over with me at all then we've seen eddie dennis like pull them to the side and tell him something we all know eddie dennis eddie dennis has been a singles wrestler in the uk since it started he's a really good wrestler he's had like a good streak and then he's had like a losing streak so i don't know if they're trying to make him a manager for pretty deadly it's interesting to see where that goes because i don't know if he's gonna wrestle for a while i don't know if there's a reason to why he's not wrestling maybe he just wants to do something else we've seen pete dunn announced as a special guest referee next week for noam dar and alexander wolf because of what happened tonight now it is time for the main event it is piper nevins versus kaylee ray for the uk women's championship now this is a match that i was looking forward to i heard a lot of people say that they really like this match it was a slow start but in the beginning there was a lot of locks transition to submissions i thought these two women were playing good on the transitions there was no sloppiness in those transitions so we know that these women have fought each other before, so they have a lot of in-ring chemistry. Then we see the match spill out to the outside. We seen Kaylee Ray lay out Piper Nevins on the steps and then goes for like a running knee, but ends up slamming her knee into the steel steps. I thought she was really injured. She looked really injured and Piper Nevins sold it perfectly because she looked pissed in the corner. She was gonna cry. She started slamming the barricade, punching the barricade. So it felt real. And then the referee puts up the X and then officials come out and the medical team Come out, so it felt super real. So as Kaylee's walking away, Piper's like, you know what? We could do this another time. It's okay. Go check on yourself first. Then Kaylee Ray says, No, you're never gonna take this title for me and proceeds to smack Piper Nevins. And Piper Nevins did not take that. She smacked her back and she dragged her straight towards the ring. As soon as they get back in the ring, Piper immediately starts to attack that leg. She goes straight for the injured leg. We see Kylie in the corner. She she pulls the turnbuckle off, and the referee tries to pull it back on, but doesn't. He just throws it away because there was a pin going on. We've seen the match go back and forth between Nevins and Piper. Kaylee Ray hits a swanton off the top rope for a near fall. Then Piper Nevins turns the match around. She ends up knocking over Kaylee Ray then goes up to the top rope for a splash. But Kaylee Ray got her injured knee up, which played an important role in the match. So it forced her to go to the corner because of her injured knee. So Piper Nevins seen that as a like, let's take advantage of this moment. She goes for a cannonball ends up hitting that metal exposed turnbuckle and Kaylee Ray picks up the win. So we've seen a play on an injury. We've seen a lot happen this match. I feel like there's going to be a rematch. I thought it was a really solid match. I don't think it was what everyone else made it out to be. I thought it was a solid match. It wasn't a phenomenal match. It wasn't like a takeover Blackpool type of match, but it was a solid match for a televised show on the WWE Network. So I hope to see these two women fight again. I don't know if Kaylee's really really injured I wonder if that was fake but she looked like she slammed her knee pretty hard into those steel steps. but I think Piper Nevins is gonna get another opportunity at the championship she deserves it I feel like Piper Nevins has a lot of potential to be the champion and hold the company on her shoulders just like Kaylee Ray has done for a really long time I think it's Kaylee had her run I think it's time we give it to somebody else just like Pete Dunne did he had his run he had 300 plus days and he passed it off to Walter and I'm sure Walter's gonna pass it off eventually to somebody hopefully Ilya Dragunov but it was a regular solid show I thought that the matches were okay. The main event was probably my favorite match of the night just because I was more familiar with it and the Walter matches was, it was just quicker it was just hard hitting. This match I feel like had more story and I like the story behind it of two friends who used to be friends, now bitter rivals fighting for the top spot in NXT UK women's division. So NXT UK was decent. Now we're moving on to AEW Dark, and our first match was Fuego del Sol and Rambrandt versus Evil and Stu This was super fast, super fast. I think it was so fast that it got sloppy. Not even on the sloppy part of Stu Grace and the Evil Uno, but Rambrandt came in. He missed like a drop kick, but they still sold it. He was just all over the place with his hip tosses. I think that that match became sloppy because of Rambrandt. He was way too fast. I think he just threw himself off. Fuego del Sol was impressive though. I think I would like to see. Fuego del Sol. I know he's not gonna be a huge player, but he's super impressive to me. We also seen great tag team action from Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. I still think they're one of the better tag teams in AEW's division. Did we seen Stu kill Fuego with a nightfall? Which is it's like a backbreaker, but he like tosses him up and then drops him on his back. That's pretty vicious to me. Then Evil Uno hits his finisher with his flatliner and they pick up the win. Dark Order is on such a hot streak, and I think that this streak should not stop at all. I think this is what's perfect for Dark Order. I think everything going on with Dark Order right now is good for their storyline. It's good for their group. Because it started off as just funny guys. Now, they're a little more serious in the ring. Besides on BTE, they're obviously funny because it's a comical show. But in the ring, I think they're doing a lot better with the Dark Order. After that, we've seen Ricky Starks versus Christopher Daniels. You know, Taz gets excited during Ricky Starks' entrance. And then he's like, why am I yelling? And everybody's like, uh... because it's Ricky Starks and that's your boy. And he's like, oh, you know, that's understandable, but I don't know why I'm yelling still. I thought that was pretty funny. Like I said, Taz Excalibur on commentary is phenomenal. That's gold commentary right there. And I wouldn't rather have anyone else on there. Then we seen Daniels, he hit a great flurry of moves. He had a lot of great spots in this match. Daniels still got it. For a guy of his age, like Dustin Rhodes, he still has it and I'm glad he's still wrestling. I know he won't you know, wrestle as the fallen angel anymore, But I feel like if he gave one go at it, if he had one last chance, I say bring back the Fallen Angel gimmick and go for a title and then you can end your career there because you've had a phenomenal career. We've seen Ricky Starks pick up the win via his spear. I didn't think he was going to win via spear. Ricky Starks just gets more impressive and impressive every time I see him. And I'm really starting to like his character. I think the flamboyant, the brash guy that he is makes that character so good. He even has a really good entrance. I like his entrance. I just don't see him as a champion, just because Brody Lee is a champion. I don't see him losing that title. He could beat Moxley. I mean, that's he's beatable. But if they beat Brody Lee, it'll just be weird because Brody Lee is supposed to be this vicious man who nobody's able to stop. This guy beat Cody Rhodes in three minutes, so I don't think we want to see him lose to like a Ricky Starks or Darby Allen. But he could fight Moxley and take the title eventually if Moxley's champion whenever he gets his shot. After that, we have seen Puff and Calvin Stewart versus Butch and the Blade. We seen Puff last week. He thought he was Kip Sabian's best man but ended up being Kip Sabian's best subscriber. So it's interesting that we get to see him in the match. But we seen Butcher and the Blade instantly attack. We already know Butcher and the Blade has a main streak. They attacked him before the match even started. Puff in this match he did a lot of dancing but he was very impressive. For a big guy he's very impressive. I want to see where he goes from here on AW Dark. I think that he can have a really good run on Dark. Not as a tag person but he can have a good series singles run. We seen his tag team partner Calvin Stewart get hit with the full death and pinned by Butcher and the Blade. So we seen Butcher and the Blade pick up this win. I learned this week that they're in the rankings. They are number four on the AEW Tag Team Championship ranking. So I'm glad to see that they're finally ranked. After that we seen Serpentico versus Will Hobbs. The phenomenal Will Hobbs. We see him again on AEW Dark. This match was a lot longer than I expected. It was only long because Luther kept interfering and Will Hobbs kept getting distracted. But we seen Will Hobbs pick up the victory with the vicious spine buster probably the most dangerous spine buster I've ever seen and even Taz said he said listen listen we got to tell you know all the other guys that watch out for that spine buster because that was vicious after that we seen Lucha Bros versus Dante Smiley and Max Stardom Max Stardom he's very impressive you know he's a small guy he wears the Puerto Rican flag I think him and Ray Phoenix could have a good singles match I think you know a lot of these guys on Dark are not given enough credit on the talent and abilities they have have, but I feel like Max Stardom could have a, a big start somewhere. This match was a Lucha Brothers style match. They kept it in the air, on the ground. You know, Ray Phoenix is the true king of the ropes. No disrespect to Graham and Delique, He is phenomenal on the ropes. But Ray Phoenix is the true king of the ropes. He did like a somersault in between two ropes. And I thought that was fantastic. So he, he to me, is the king of the ropes, not Metalik. We've seen Lucha Bros pick up the win via their finisher. It's like a neck breaker. He puts his legs on his shoulders. It's like a spike pile driver, basically. After that, we've seen Ryzen and Xander Gold versus 5 and 10. Ryzen, we've seen him before. He's complained on Twitter that he hasn't had a good partner. But tonight, he had a really phenomenal partner in Xander Gold. I thought Xander Gold was phenomenal. It wasn't even 5 and 10 who was the stars of this match. It was Xander Gold. He, he was so athletic. He did a, a just a hop. He's like a Shelton Benjamin to me. That's what I feel like. And that's a big comparison to make. But he's like gold standard Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin, I thought he was phenomenal, and I want to see where he goes from here. But we've seen five and the ten; they they looked really good as a tag team. But Dark Order now has another tag team. We have Evil Uno and Stu. We have Reynolds and Silver, and now we have five and ten. How many more tag teams do we need in the Dark Order? After we've seen five and ten finally pick up the win, they had a, a really unique finishing move. They had a double foot stomp into a power slam. Like I said, big men and their power slams. That's the only thing big guys are good for, for some reason. Spice. up big guys so now i know Brody lee's happy because there's two wins tonight on dark from stew and evil and now five and ten after we've seen kevin blackwood and daniel garcia versus sunny kiss and joey janela let me let me say something really fast kevin blackwood and daniel garcia are fantastic and not even because of this match i think their showcases i've watched some of their recent matches since i've seen them on dark i think they're really phenomenal they keep mentioning the car crash and how they almost lost their lives i'm glad that they turned out alive because the talent that they possess would have went unnoticed and they're phenomenal. And I I advise you guys to check up some of their matches. I feel like Kevin Blackwood could be a singles competitor more than a tag team guy, but they're best friends. I get that. So they want to stick as a team. But Kevin Blackwood can have a solid singles career. Even Daniel Garcia, I think he can as well too. Sonny Kiss was phenomenal in this match. He's more impressive every time I see him. He's the star of this tag team. I'm not a fan of Joey Janela as a tag team. I even hate his attire. I think his attire is weird. I think it looks like he just got out of the bed and threw whatever pants he had on. But Sonny Kiss is the star of this team. Without Sonny Kiss, this team is nothing. I think Joey Janela should just let Sonny Kiss focus on singles. I know it's not them who's doing the bookings, but I feel that Sonny Kiss could be a great single star on his own and he doesn't really need Joey Janela. This was a good match, but we've seen Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela pick up the win. They're on a, a bit of a hot streak. Do I see them competing? for the tag team championships at the moment no but they're doing really good as a tag team as much as I hate to admit it after that we've seen gun club versus um and Cruz now let me take a second to say who puts these tag teams together and why are these tag teams together these guys didn't even compliment each other that Taz was just like what like what is this and I I felt the same exact way so I just want to know who puts these teams together because they do not go for me this wasn't my favorite match it didn't really showcase anything we've seen like two moves from and like three moves from Umbadu. so then they also made fun of the colors that Umbadu wear ricky starks and taz who are gold as well when it comes to commentating with each other they were like you know his outfit is just too green for me and excalibur points out he's like you know that's the that's the flag it's the color of the nigerian flag you know that right and he's like uh i knew that i knew that i just i just you know i think the color should be different but we've seen the gun club pick up the win via the famous sir. obviously the the key to this group is billy gunn Austin Gunn barely does anything and then his father does all the work and then he picks up the win. So Austin Gunn is just right behind his father. He has a little bit of offense but Billy Gunn is the star and what holds this team together. After that we've seen Kaylin King versus Serena Debs. Serena Debs was signed I think last week or two weeks ago. She puts on great matches every time I see her and I really like this match between her and Kaylin King. There was a lot of technical transitions. Both women were exchanging submissions and uh, collar elbow tie-ups in the middle of the ring. I thought complemented each other very well it was a very good match serena does ended up picking up the win with a unique submission she had her arm trapped and then had her in like a single leg boston crab so she wasn't able to do anything she's not able to move herself she's just only able to tap because she's limited to one arm after we move to the main event now before i get to this main event between lee johnson and ben carter let me say by this is probably one of my favorite matches i've seen on dark since dark started this match Was phenomenal. It was a great showcase to Lee Johnson, and I'm glad that he finally got to showcase his skill because I feel like he doesn't go against guys who are able to let him showcase what he can do. But Ben Carter was able to allow him to show his skill. It was a really quick start, even from the start. They even had an amazing sequence where they did a double clothesline to each other. They both kicked up and then hit a bicycle kick onto each other. I thought that was a phenomenal sequence. I thought these two men were great in this match. They even exchanged outside dives I think Lee Johnson went for a tope hit the tope then Ben Carter gets up runs in the ring and does the same thing to him and I thought it was beautiful I thought the way they wrote this match I thought the choreography behind this match was fantastic there was tons of near falls but we've seen Ben Carter get the best of him with the frog splash I think he calls it the frozen in time because if you watch him when he does the frog splash he doesn't really extend his body until he almost hits the ground so it's like he freezes in the air and then hits the frog splash like i said this was the best match and this goes back to what i said a couple episodes ago i feel like if you have guys like a, a lee johnson or a ben carter put them against guys like them don't put them against guys who are bigger than them don't put a lee johnson against a lance archer don't put a ben carter against a lance archer don't put him against a brian cage put him against guys like them like you could put lee johnson against darby allen you could put him against sammy Guevara. you could there's so many guys you could put him against but this was the best choice ben carter they both showed out and kudos to both those men on giving a phenomenal match on dark this was my match of the night now i believe i called ben carter and lee johnson the main event they weren't the main event they were the co-main event but this is what i want to say i feel like this match between lee johnson and ben carter should have been the main event which is why i got it confused i don't think that this match between eddie kingston and brian pillman was a main event type match i feel like it should have been switched i should have I feel like it should have been the co-main event being Eddie Kingston and Brian Pillman and the main event, Lee Johnson. Because the hype I felt from the Lee johnson Carter match, I didn't feel with this match. You know, I went in with the hype like, oh, okay, this is the main event. But then they announced Eddie Kingston versus Brian Pillman. And I'm like... I don't think I'm gonna get that same feel that I got last match, but it was a good match. Brian Pillman looked really good. Brian Pillman looks better every time I see him. I still think he doesn't need Griff Garrison, but they keep pairing them together. Kingston, he's very vicious in the ring. He has such an aggressive smash mouth style of wrestling. And that comes from his you know background in CZW and all them places like that, TNA Impact. He has a vicious style. His chops are damn near close to Walter's chops. Like his chops go from far open hand it sound like gunshots we seen Eddie Kingston at one point the match get upset I feel like it felt real I feel like he was upset at Brian Pillman for some reason but I don't know for sure but he really looked upset we seen Kingston pick up the win via the backhand which I still think is a really dumb finisher for Eddie Kingston I guess if you want to call it good for yourself for me I just don't like it I don't see this vicious guy just doing a backhand and then calling it a day I feel like he should do something else but I'm not the creative controller I don't have any control over the finishers. These guys choose their own moves. But if it was up to me, I wouldn't do a spinning back fist. I think all around, Dark was pretty solid. Another takeaway from AEW Dark was Xander Gold. I'm really impressed with that guy. I really hope to see where his career goes from here. I think they should sign him and make him a star in AEW. I think he's phenomenal and he has the potential. And if we put him against the guy who can show that potential, I'm pretty sure AEW will feel the same way. Now we move on to a special that AEW had this week, which was AEW Late Night Dynamite, which also got 500,000 viewers. Now, for those of you who probably be like, mm, that's not a lot. WWE has more. 500,000 Late Night? These guys were on at like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock nearly. It's an average 500,000 people to stay up to watch that show from America or other countries. That's pretty good numbers, so kudos to A W. The first match of night was Ben Carter versus Scorpio Sky. Now, this match was great. It was a fantastic follow-up to Ben Carter's match against Lee Johnson. The match started off lightning quick. Both men showcased their skills. Ben Carter looks impressive. He's really developing a talent on AEW and people are starting to like who he is. And AEW clearly has the confidence in him to start him off on a main show as the first match. So I think they see the potential in Ben Carter. There was tons of flurries, tons of counters in this match. A lot of aerial moves as well. I think during one of those flurries, Ben carter must have caught scorpio sky because scorpio sky ended up having a cut over his eye and he was just bleeding not a lot during the match but you can see that he had blood coming down his face we've seen scorpio sky finally pick up the win via tko now if you didn't watch this match if you're listening to me and you have not seen this match i want you to go watch this match because this is great this is wrestling and i feel like ben carter is really showing out scorpio sky we already know he can do this with multiple guys it doesn't just have to be a ben carter Scorpio Scott could put on a good match with anybody if they are given the proper tools. So go check this match out. Tell me what you think about it on Twitter at Wrestling From so that way I can hear your opinions. After that, we seen Anna J versus Brandy Rhodes. Now this match was super slow. Brandy came in the ring, she looked more serious, they exchanged blows before the match even started. It, it even looked that real. This match wasn't it wasn't what it was hyped up to be. I was not looking forward to Anna J versus Brandy that much just because Brandi Brandy to me is not at that peak yet of her wrestling skill. I feel like she has a long way to go. But we've seen her hit a shot of Brandy, which is like a bicycle kick. She had Anna J beat, but Stu Grayson comes out and distracts the referee, which gives Anna J the advantage to get back up and put Brandy in a sleeper hold to win the match. So we see Dark Order play another win over the Rhodes family, or the Nightmare family as they call themselves. Dark Order's on the roll, and I think they'll continue to be on the roll. After that, we seen the main event of Late Night Dynamite. It was Matt Seidel who was debuting on TV for the first time against the chairman, or used to be chairman, Sean Spears. I thought it was an all-around good match. I feel like we got to see a little bit of Seidel. Spears kept the match at his tempo. It was nice, slow-paced, calculated. Seidel had his moments where he showcased what he can do. They had a little bit of a moment in the ring where they stood toe-to-toe, exchanged shots. Seidel threw a couple flying knees. He even attempted Attempted a his shooting star press, but didn't get it at all. Sean Spears just did a good job of keeping the match to his pace. Then the match spilled to the outside, where Seidel hits a dropkick with Sean Spears sitting on the chair. We see Seidel go back in the ring, but Spears stays out, and Tully Blanchard loads that black glove, which is used to end the match. Sean Spears hits Matt Seidel with that black glove, knocks him out, then puts him in the C4 to pick up the victory. After the match, we thought Sean Spears was done, but no. He tries to attack Matt Seidel again with that black glove and we see Scorpio Sky come out and make the save so now we're gonna see a Scorpio Sky versus Shawn Spears rivalry I think that'll be an interesting matchup it's two great wrestlers I think they'll give you something to look forward to so AW dynamite late night was pretty short it was just three matches so there's not really enough to go on but now we're gonna move on to the main show AW dynamite dynamite kicked off tonight with the tag team match from the day. Debuting Miro and Kip Sabian versus Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Now let me tell you, Kip Sabian was teasing us the whole time with tagging in Miro. And then when he finally got the tag, Miro would do two to three moves and then tag back out. So you never really got the full effect or the potential that Miro can give you in a ring. So that was pretty disappointing that we only got a couple moves from Miro. Then we've seen Sonny Kiss go on a little flurry. The match ends up outside, but Miro lands on his leg and pretends. Or I guess he's playing on a leg injury. So he's limping. He limps to the barricade Joey Janela runs at him He flips Joey Janela over the barricade just fine Then he tells his partner Kip Sabian run I'm gonna launch you into him as soon as Kip runs Miro lifts him But I guess he wasn't able to hold him up and he drops him on the other side right on his head It was so serious that you heard Joey Janela asking Kip Sabian. Hey, you okay? You okay? You okay? Like he was screaming that like he broke character for a second just to make sure he was okay that play on things changed the tie of the match. The match got really sloppy. Miro and Kip was a little disconnected. I think Kip Savian was still a little stunned on his fall, so that kind of affected his his match but they end up picking up the victory when miro hits a super kick on sunny kiss then puts her in what we used to know as the accolade so miro picks up his first win now what i want to say is that i don't think miro should be tagging with kip sabian i feel like they should kill this gimmick already this whole kip sabian getting married miro being the best man thing i think miro should focus on himself i don't think he should align himself with kip sabian i just feel like he needs time to shine by himself and I hope he gets that eventually. So I guess that's a win in the winner's column for Miro as his debut match. I really hoped it was a singles match, but we ended up getting a tag team match. We only got a piece of Miro, not the whole thing. And let me tell you, when you watch this guy, what you used to see back then as he was Rusev is nothing on what he can do now. So I hope to see him go higher in the future. After that, Eddie Kingston rushes to the ring for a promo. We learned that Eddie Kingston is now going to get a world championship match because because Lance Archer is out because he came in contact with someone who had COVID-19 symptoms. So Eddie Kingston says, I got this match because I was never eliminated. This is why I'm getting this shot. 18 years also says why I'm getting this shot. And we come to realize that Eddie Kingston has been doing this for a long time. He truly is deserving of it. He technically never was eliminated from the battle royale. So I like that they played on this perfectly. He also says him and John used to be cut from the same cloth until he sold out to be a sports entertainer. Entertainer. Now we know that's WWE, the land of sports entertainers. He also says he's never sold his soul to the devil, but John did. He also called out John. He said, I want to look in the sports entertainers eyes. I want to look you and tell you in your face. So John Moxley comes out and they go face to face and security instantly come out. They don't even let them brawl. Security just puts them apart and then it goes to commercial break. Now my feelings on this match, I think this is great. We want to see John Moxley defend his title of course but Eddie Kingston's style of wrestling is almost identical to John Moxley so I think this is going to be a great hard-hitting match you got two men who's wrestled each other before they've come from the same company yeah they took different paths with John taking the sports entertainer route and Eddie Kingston staying with the hard hitters but these two guys are exactly the same so it's going to be a really good match after that we had Hangman Page versus Evil Uno Omega on commentary once again so I don't know why they keep doing this. I keep They they, they keep teasing that they're going to be a tag team or they're not going to be a tag team. Excalibur says this match was offered to Kenny as a tag team match with Stu Grayson and Evil Uno, but Kenny Omega declined. We know Kenny Omega was going to decline. He wants to focus on his singles career. Now, Hangman comes out. Hangman's graphic this week says apparently sticking with the long pants. Whoever does those graphics does not get paid enough because that is genius, and he is sticking with those long pants. I don't know why, but he likes I guess. Uh, It was a really good match between Hangman and Evil Uno. They even teased that the referee was in cahoots with the Dark Order. They even teased Omega making a save because the Dark Order, including Cole Cabana, pushed towards the ring just for a second. And Kenny was like, ah, should I go? You know what? I'm just going to stay. It's better to stay back here. I thought it was a really great match. We've seen Omega tease a lot, a lot. He's saying that he's never seen Hangman do half the things he's doing right now. I wonder, are they going to a feud? Is there going to be a rivalry between them? Are they going to hate each other? I look forward to seeing where they take this storyline. But we've seen Paige pick up the win via Buckshot Lariat and Kenny Omega walks out. He says, I'm gone. I've seen it. I'm okay. This time Hangman's not looking for him, but you see in the back that Omega's walking through the turn and he looks back and then just keeps walking. Now we move on to a backstage segment with Tony Schiavone. He speaks to the Young Bucks. We didn't get to see Nick. We only spoke to Matt, Matt says, you know, they were out of line. They're sorry, they'll do better. They're frustrated, and we get that. They says that losing a lot and the elite breaking up really affected them, but they'll try to do a lot better. And then they just turn that all around. Matt Jackson asks for Tony Schiavone's phone and then breaks it and then gives him money. He says, oh, this is a fake pocket. It won't go in here. And then just throws it at him. And I was like, you apologize. And then went back to being that heel. I thought that was perfect. Tony Schiavone at the end said, you know, I hope this is a new chapter." in their book, and I hope it's about me. I thought that was a pretty funny thing for Tony Schiavone to say, too. After that, we seen Orange Cassidy versus Brody Lee. Now, let me tell you, I was not looking forward to this match because I was afraid that it was just gonna bury Orange Cassidy again, but it didn't so much. we seen Orange Cassidy put his jacket and t-shirt on John Silver and his glasses on Anna J. I thought that was pretty funny. Brody got tired of Cassidy's games. Cassidy was doing his signature fake slow leg kicks, and Brody just clapped him. We see Orange Cassidy Cassidy get a little energy. He takes Brody out of the ring. He tries to go for a suicide dive on Brody and the Dark Order, but they end up catching him. And what was a pivotal point was the Dark Order held Orange Cassidy after they caught him and they allowed Brody Lee to do a suicide dive onto all of them, sacrificing themselves. Now that's true minions. They definitely showing that they'll do anything for their leader. After this spot, Brody Lee was dominant the whole match. He even threw Orange Cassidy out of the ring at one point to get jumped by the dark order he even yelled at john silver to stop putting down his title because every time john silver would attack orange cassidy he would just throw brody's belt on the floor and i guess that pissed him off late in the match we seen orange cassidy come alive he attacked brody lee he hits two elbow suicidas outside the ring then attacks the dark order which forced john silver to hit 10 with the title by accident he goes back in the ring hits a flurry on brody hits two pk kicks then hits an air raid crash for a near fall. So Orange Cassidy had an amazing comeback. I really thought that it was him who was going to take this title. We see Brody staggered in a corner. Orange Cassidy is setting up for the orange punch. As soon as he goes for it, John Silver steps in a ring and takes the punch. And then Brody Lee hits Orange Cassidy with a discus clothesline to retain the TNT title. This match was way better than I thought. I thought they were going to bury Cassidy. He lasted longer than Cody. I think this match went about 10 minutes, maybe 10 or more. So, I thought it was a really good showing by Brody and Cassidy and I really liked that match after that the lights go out Cody returns no longer the blonde hair Cody has black hair he came out in a black suit he basically was the epitome of death at that point he attacks the Dark Order Brody Lee is gone he leaves his minions to get beat up after that we see Brody go to the back cut a promo he says what kind of man lets his wife post thirst traps on Instagram while calling him daddy who does Cody 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 think he is coming back five weeks later, sending his brother Dustin to do all his work and try to get back the title that he lost. He even offers a dog collar match. He holds a collar and he says, Cody, this is for you. I'm going to wrap this around your neck. He says, I give you one week to answer. So, we're going to see a potential dog collar match between Brody and Cody, and I think it's going to be physical. I think it's probably going to be one of the better matches from Cody we've seen in a long time. Brody Lee got really personal. This didn't feel like a a, a work. It felt like a shoot. He was really talking from his heart. I think that that's what made this feel more energetic than what it felt before. So this is a storyline to look forward to. After that, we see Matt and Private Party come to the ring and cut a promo. Matt basically says, you know, I have suspicion that it might have been Jericho because, you know, it felt like aluminum hit me. Then he says, Jericho and Hager came right after, so it makes me more suspicious. So he says Jericho you're at the top of my list then Jericho comes out with the inner circle he says the inner circle's not complete yet and we see Sammy come back Sammy has been gone ever since his match with Matt Hardy at All Out then we see Matt Hardy say you know you guys are out there you want to fight I could fight Mark Quinn takes the mic he says chill I got this you heal up I'll take care of this he says Jericho you know you attacked my brother then Isaiah Cassidy takes the mic and he says listen I got this Isaiah says, says Quinn Hardy I got this now Jericho if I'm not mistaken I didn't almost beat you not only once but twice so next week I challenge you to a match on dynamite he says everyone is counting him out but what if a young 23 year old kid from Brooklyn New York beats him then he also goes and says what if next week he makes him his lead champion bitch so it was a fantastic promo by Isaiah Cassie. I didn't think he was that good on the mic it was a lot better than on. sure people expected so it's interesting to see will jericho put over isaiah cassie next week will they have a solid match i hope they do i like that jericho is bringing up the younger talent and allowing the younger talent to do more so i take my hat off to him for putting over these young guys i think that's amazing like i said i think it was a couple episodes ago chris jericho has done his tenure he's done his years and now he's trying to help everyone else grow and make sure that the face of wrestling is still at its peak Peak. So much appreciation to Jericho for doing that for the younger guys. After that, we've seen another in-ring segment. Tony Schiavone speaks to FTR. Telly comes out. Telly says, you know, we're changing the rules. Instead of doing 60-minute time limits, we're doing 20 minutes. And Cash says, no, I don't think it was Cash. I think it was Dax. Dax says, well, we're going to call it a 20-minute brush with greatness. So now, instead of tag team matches being 60 minutes on Dynamite, if it's for a title, now it's going to be 20 minutes. And apparently they're gonna challenge new tag teams every week. They said they're gonna start with SCU. They even said they didn't care about those, you know, parking lot brawlers, the best friends, which incite the best friends to come out to challenge FTR to an impromptu tag team match. A referee comes out and everything. FTR is ready. They look like they're about to go. The ref is about to ring the bell, and Cash stops the ref and says, "You know what? We're not really for it. You guys still need time to heal. We don't want any excuses. We want to let you guys heal." So. We'll see you another time. And then they just walk away. Then Chuck Taylor grabs the mic. He says, since you guys are going to be a bunch of weenies, we're going to give these people what they want. And him and Trent hug in the middle of the ring. And that's how that ends. Next, we see Ivelisse and Diamante versus Thunder Rosa and Sheeta. Rosa came out with her face painted, painted like road warrior animal. May he rest in power. He passed away this week. She and Sheeta had some miscommunications in the beginning of the match. I think Sheeta gave Thunder Rosa a knee to the face which almost cost them the match but these four women ever since they started fighting each other whether it be singles or tags have always been putting on phenomenal matches and i would love to see either Lise or diamante challenge again for another title maybe instead of fighting thunder rosa they'll fight hikaru shida but hikaru shida and thunder rosa ended up picking the win and then they both grabbed their titles and raised their titles i'm still expecting to see another title match i'm still expecting to see shida versus thunder rosa 2 for the nw women's championship. And then if Thunder Rosa ends up winning, it's probably going to be a winner takes all. So I'm looking forward to see where that rivalry ends up. There was a backstage segment with Jericho. He says he respects Cassidy and that he's going to be big someday, just not next week. Then MJF appears and him and Chris Jericho start blowing smoke up each other's ass. They keep complimenting each other, saying all these nice things. And then as they're laughing together, they both ask each other, then why did you call me a loser last week? And then they both start to make up these stories. It was the limo driver. You know, he drives all crazy. Jericho says that he spilt a little bit of latte on his leather pants. He also tried to blame Tony Schiavone. Then the both of them just say, you know what? You're, you're a good guy. And then they both just walk away. Now it is time for the main event. John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston for the AEW World Championship. Now we all knew it. It was going to be a slow paced match, but both men were very vicious. They exchanged chops and smacks in the middle of the ring. I feel like that lasted for like three minutes. They went back and forth with the chops. Like I said, Eddie Kingston's chops were vicious. You can see his hand on Jon Moxley's chest. The fight headed outside. It even stayed out until picture-in-picture until Picture was over, which is JR's favorite thing to say. Both men end up back in the ring. These men gave it their all. They slugged it out. They showed people a different style. They showed you don't have to be technical. You don't have to be a high flyer. You could just fight, and that's what these two guys did. Jon Moxley picked up the victory. He would even use the paradigm shift. He submitted Eddie Kingston. Kingston. Eddie Kingston didn't tap for the record. He just went to sleep. After the match, we've seen the Lucha Brothers come out and attack John Moxley. Then, Will Hobb comes to make the save. We know Will Hobbs was supposed to be in that six-man tag we were supposed to have tonight, but due to Archer coming in contact with someone who had COVID, we weren't able to see that, but hopefully we'll get that soon. But, Will Hobbs gets outnumbered. Then, we hear Darby Allin's music. He makes the save. Then, we see Ricky Starks come from behind him and hit him with a spear, and John. Hobbs and Darby they take a beating until AEW goes off the air so AEW this week was pretty good I thought this was a really good AEW I thought it played a lot in the stories my match of the night was Orange Cassidy versus Brody Lee I love that Cody is back and he's different I think Eddie Kingston put on a great match with Jon Moxley I'm also interested in to see where Kenny Omega and Adam Page had. also what happens to the Young Bucks and what their plans are so now we're going to move on to our final show, which is Friday Night SmackDown. And this Friday Night SmackDown started off with the Intercontinental Ascension Ceremony with AJ, Sami Zayn, and Jeff Hardy. This is apparently is the first time ever they do an Ascension Ceremony. We see AJ say that he broke his back to make this title mean something. And that I agree. AJ Styles, like The Miz, put this title on his back and made it mean something. Sami says this match shouldn't even be happening. They were fighting for fraud titles. Sammy's still fighting that he never lost this title. He didn't. He defended at WrestleMania. He kept it, but he was out. AJ Styles also kept saying, you were on vacation for six months and nobody said or knew where you were. After all men exchange words, Jeff and Sami Zayn both put up their intercontinental titles. So it's good to see that they're taking Sami's title as well and hanging it. After that, I, I thought to myself like, you know, no fight, no nothing, but I was wrong. Sami Zayn then proceeds to kick the ladder onto Jeff and AJ Styles, then attacks both of them. As he leaves, Adam Pierce comes out. He says, you know, Sammy, you were supposed to just fight Jeff Hardy tonight, but I'm adding AJ Styles to this match. So now we have a triple threat match between AJ Styles, Sammy Zayn, and Jeff Hardy. The match starts off decent. It also heads to the outside for a bit where all men are out there just fighting each other. All these men were pretty even. They didn't want to showcase too much of They want to save everything for Clash of Champions and I get that. All three of these men can put on a good match if they really try. So I'm not really worried about the direction the match is going to go in tonight. I think that at Clash of Champions, they're going to have a really good ladder match and it's going to be one of the best matches of the night. Sami Zayn then picks up the win after AJ Styles hits a phenomenal forearm on Jeff and Sami Zayn throws AJ out of the ring to pick up the win. Then AJ Styles attacked both Jeff and Sami with a ladder. He also set up the ladder and pulled down both titles. So is AJ Styles going to win this match? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think this match is going to go Sami Zayn. I think that Sami Zayn needs this title. He never really lost and I feel like this is going to propel him higher to where he needs to be so my goal is Sammy if I'm wrong I'm wrong but I feel like Sammy needs this title Jeff and, and AJ Styles already have enough accolades let Sammy's career continue to take off then we pan to a backstage segment with Otis Otis is still going through court troubles with Miz he says he hates lawyers Miz interrupts and says he's been trying to have the money in the bank given to somebody who truly deserves it and I feel that same way too Tucker but then points out you know how come only Miz's name is on this contract on this lawsuit and then Otis thinks to himself like hmm he is then he proceeds to attack John Morrison and then they're broken up by security next we move to another Bailey promo she says the champion's time is precious and she has no time for a crybaby like Sasha she says Sasha's unimportant she's irrelevant she doesn't need her anymore she says Nikki should be worried Bailey has a Sean Spears gimmick and like I I feel it like she's walk around this chair you know how sean spears has the chair he used to be the chairman when he hit cody now it's flipped now bailey is the chairwoman of wwe also when i hear her theme song i always think it's seth rollins coming out i think they both have the same startup to the song so it's pretty weird but bailey did cut a good promo she did make some sense you know she did say her time is precious She she's done it she's proven to people she's became this heel from a baby face she was a part of that women's evolution the four horsewomen she has brought up women's wrestling and i do give it to her so even though i know she's gonna lose the title at clash of champions to nikki cross she has done her part in the women's division just like charlotte just like becky and just like sasha so i think it's time that we all realize that we need a new champion let the four horsewomen they did their thing let's push up some new women in the form of nikki cross after that we've seen grand meta league versus nakamura meta league had a great showing in this match i think meta league could be good without kalisto and lince dorado but it was a pretty short match nakamura picks up the win via kinshasa we haven't seen a kinshasa on smackdown in like forever after that cesaro attacks lince dorado but kalisto doesn't come in to help so these guys are still broken every week they come out they're getting more and more broken as each week passes then dorado gets up and he shoves kalisto i think they're gonna implode at clash of champions kalisto ever since he came back has been very different and I think Metalik and Dorado would be better on their own or they could stay a team without Kalisto so just look forward to them imploding at Clash of Champions because they're fighting Cesaro Nakamura for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships after that they have a recap of Roman Reigns and Jey Uso's history they even have the family speak they have Rikishi Jey Uso the wild Samoans they also state that Roman Reigns was always sitting next to the tribal Chiefs so now they give us a little backstory on why Roman Reigns calls himself that that's because Roman was always there they say roman reigns was destined to be where he was it was in his blood to be at the top so they're happy the tribal chief they also give their predictions rakishi of course went for his son jay and everyone else went roman after that we see a jay uso in ring segment he's supposed to be having an interview with roman reigns because of roman's face at the end of smackdown last week he also tells Corey Graves, like well, you know take take the night off i got this uso. jay then talks to the screen he's he's talking like he's not serious. You know, Roman Reigns is listening. Jay, to me, doesn't sound like he's taking this match serious. He sounds like since his family, he's going easy. And I think that's going to come back to bite him. Roman just doesn't even say a word while Jay Uso's like, what do you have to say? What do you have to say? Then we see Paul Heyman get up, leave the locker room. He says the tribal chief comes out when he wants. He says Jay Uso, you don't demand anything. But Paul Heyman assures Jay Uso that Roman Reigns will answer him when he's ready tonight next we see Matt Riddle versus Baron Corbin now before the match starts they show Baron Corbin talking about Matt Riddle he says he hated seeing his bro montage last week and he feels like Matt Riddle's a joke I hated seeing that bro montage too so me and Corbin agree with each other on that one but Riddle attacks Corbin before the start of the match these two fight and they spill outside the announce table after that it goes to commercial which I don't never understand why it goes to commercial when it gets to the good stuff so when commercial comes back they're inside the ring so the fight outside was just pointless so we see matt riddle hit a flurry mid-match to turn the match around matt riddle attempts his finisher which corbin then counters to hit the end of days for the win i'm glad that corbin did not lose corbin is one of the better athletes they have they just don't use him enough he's won the king of the ring so you know they have some type of faith in him and the end of the days is one of the most protected finishers in wwe no one ever kicks out of that after that matt riddle gets a post-match interview he says it sucks losing but he's going to turn Smackdown Live into the bro show. I I hope not. I don't want to see the bro show. You want me to like Matt Riddle? Make Matt Riddle a little more serious. Let's drop the whole bro gimmick. Let's make Matt Riddle more serious. Then I'll probably get on board. After that, they show the mystery woman segment. She writes untouchable on the mirror, and we think we're going to see her face once again, but next thing you know, she has a Polaroid camera in front of her face. I'm still going with Carmella. My gut is still on Carmella. If it's someone else, then they fooled us all. After that, we see Alexa Bliss versus Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans was very dominant during this match. Alexa Bliss couldn't get any offense in. We even heard a Fiend laugh, which made Alexa Bliss turn around. We seen that the Fiend effect also affected Alexa because she was mounting some offense, but you could see she started to twitch and started to hear voices in her head, which threw her off to give Lacey the advantage. Then we heard the Fiend's music play, and that's when Alexa Bliss snapped. She became so aggressive. She started to stomp on Lacey Evans' head. She got disqualified for it. Then she threw Lacey Evans outside the ring and delivered his sister Abigail for the second week in a row. I really love where this storyline is going. I wonder, is The Fiend going to be the reason why Alexa wins matches? Is that control over her going to be the reason why she goes to the top? I look forward to see where this storyline is going. After we see the tribal chief finally come out as Alexa Bliss makes her way up the ramp. And as Roman is standing there holding his title up, Alexa Bliss is just staring a hole through him. She's playing this character so well. She stands there for a good 30 seconds just staring at him and it looks so demonic. I love where it's going with Alexa Bliss. And if you think about it, The Fiend is in Alexa Bliss. So she's still mad for The Fiend that Roman took the title from The Fiend. So that makes a lot of sense why that happened. A lot of people probably didn't look at it like that. But that's probably why. Roman did take The Fiend's title and The Fiend is controlling Alexa. So it only makes sense. So Roman walks to the ring with Paul Heyman Paul Heyman's about to speak. As soon as he could say a word, Jay Uso interrupts. Roman then takes the mic and says, If I could give you this championship, Jay, I would. But if I did, you wouldn't know what to do with it. You wouldn't be able to know how to handle being the face of the WWE. He then goes on to say that Jay will never be the Tribal Chief because it will always be him. The family depends on him. They want him to be the Tribal Chief. They need him to be at the head of the table. And then Roman walks off. Then Jay grabs the mic and says, What if you're wrong? Why can't I provide for my family? Why can't I provide for my wife, my kids? Why can't they look for me to do those things? Jay Uso says he's also tired of when people see him, they ask him, Which one are you? And he says he wants to see that when he wins that championship, people don't ask him that anymore, Which one are you? They say, It's Jay, the WWE champion. And he drops the mic. So I like that we've seen a more serious Jay Uso. I like that now he's not playing. Roman Reigns, whatever he said to Jay tonight, really changed the way he looks at this match. So now I feel like we're gonna get a more serious match. I love that this storyline is going this far. I can't wait till Clash of Champions to see where their story builds out. But we see Jey Uso walk up to the ramp. Roman Reigns then Superman punches him. Then shoves the title in his face and yells in his face, I feed all families with this. You will never take my place at the head of the table. I am the tribal chief. You will never ever take my place. So Roman Reigns has had enough for Jay Uso, and he's finally snapped. Like I said, this storyline is going amazing places. I really like SmackDown tonight. I think this is probably one of my favorite SmackDowns. I'm interested. Clash of Champions is tomorrow. I want to see where this Alexa Fiend story goes. I can't wait to the Roman and Jay Uso match. There's a lot of great buildups that happened on SmackDown. I really want to see the Bailey and Nikki cross match to see if my prediction is right. So look forward to Clash of Champions tomorrow. So this ends all the shows this week. I just want to say thank you to all those who downloaded. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we are at 150 plus downloads. You can find me on Google, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Wrestling From. I really enjoy making these. I also want to give a special shout out to Wrestling Crate. I subscribe to their Wrestling Crates. I got it. I thought it was fantastic and I can't wait to see next month's crate. Important news, I'm also dropping two episodes on Sunday because Clash of Champions is on Sunday. So I'm going to drop my Clash of Champions review and uh, my analysts on everything that happens tell you about all the storyline so i'm going to try to drop two episodes on the same exact day again thank you for listening this has been wrestling from the crowd i'm ray have a good morning evening and night wherever you are thank you